0: Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation.
1: Yeah, it's good to be here. And um, I want to kind of set the scene just for a moment as we kind of have some type of direction for the next month. And um, here's the thing, you know, our churches are losing ground in their own backyard, that's what studies say. The American church is on the decline. And I wonder if we have forgotten what it meant to be the church, because certainly we can blame a bunch of other things But maybe it's time for us to take a long, hard look in the mirror and say, God, what is it about us that we're not getting? Have we forgotten the biblical understanding of what it means to be part of his body and to be a member of it? Have we forgotten what he's called us to do? Do we not realize what God expects from you when you step into this church, when you have made or maybe decide to make Victory Life Church your home church? Do you know what he expects? Now, I wanna say this because uh, let me just preface this by saying, to many of you, this will be an encouraging set of sermons over the next month because you guys are doing a really good job and you know what it means to be a servant. But maybe to some of you, this might be a little bit challenging because of uh, some church pain in the the past from some hurt. Maybe you're just deciding to step back into church and you're like, man, all they wanna do is take. And so I would just say to you, to to lean in for these next few weeks because God wants something for you, not just something from you. Now, here's what I would say about church. God did not create his church to be a country club where our perks and our privileges awaited us. What if I told you that he called you to be part of his church, not to live for yourself, but to live for other people? I know this is some radical thinking these days, but what if that's how God called you to live? And I think we have this whole thing of being a participant of a church, um, upside down. I think this whole idea of being a member of a church, and I don't know even that word member is just not something that you really wanna hear. So we'll dive into that a little bit, but I think we have it kind of upside down where it becomes more about what I can take from it than what I can do for it. In fact, maybe we've been a little bit selfish in taking, and we have seemed, um, slightly demanding when it comes to the church, to my church, to your church. And so for the next four weeks, my dad and I are going to walk through the scriptures, and we really believe that this is going to be a a foundational message for VLC this year, as we are talking about foundation, and it's getting back to the roots of who God has called us to be and what he's called us to be. And so we're going to look at how it, not a new way, but the only way to act, to think, and to speak like his church. So we've titled this series we the church let's pray one more time Father we thank you and I'm reminded of the passage our theme verse for this series it's found in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where you said we are the body of Christ and each is a member of it And so, Lord, I pray over these next few weeks, even these next few moments today, that you would give us a better understanding of what it means to be a member of it. We love you, we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name, everybody said. Do me a favor, turn to the person next to you and tell them I'm so glad you're sitting next to me. Thank you for showing up to church. Some of you are like, Jacob, I'm not glad that this person is sitting next to me because... And worship, their hand was in my face, (laughs) you know, sometimes I'll be up front, my wife is serving in kids ministry, but we'll be up front, and you know, me and her, we we love to work, any any worshipers out here in this place, come on, we we just love, man, I I hear you, by the way, I hear you, and the people next to you feel you too, and um, so we'll be sitting next to each other, we'll be lifting our hands, and like her hand touches my hand, and I'm I'm like, God, is this like a spiritual moment, or is this just like a a relational moment right now between me and my wife, but uh, man, I'm, I'm all about it, and Danny and the team, thank you for, for leading us and, and worshiping and bringing us in. Um, now, we'll get, into this more, more, uh, we'll get into this more here in a second, but I just want you to know as we talk about the church, what, what scripture means is obviously the universal church, but, but also the local church. And it's interesting is the New Testament is full of letters to the local church. And so when I say we the church, What I mean for this series for the next month is talking about your participation um, here at VLC and what God um, certainly has for you, but maybe what he is expecting from you. Now, let me continue to set the scene because uh, it's important for us. And then I'll get into and I'll give you my title in just a second for those who are like, man, Jacob always gives us this title before he prays. For those note takers out there, for those who don't take notes, you just, you probably don't even care. But I'm going to give you that in a moment. But let me continue to set the stage. According to research done by Arizona Christian University in 2020, 61% of millennials consider themselves to be Christians. Now, you may be thinking that's pretty high. That probably is because most of that 61% is just checking off a box because it's just family history. But studies will say that 2% of those actually contain a biblical worldview, only 2%. Now, Barna research says that 6% of all professing adult believers, 6% have a biblical worldview. Now you're thinking, man, that's, that can't be right. That's really low. Well, Jesus clarifies that this is actually true in scripture when he said in Matthew chapter seven, he said enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and what does it say and many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life but only few will find it Now certainly we can we can uh, say there's a bunch of things that um, are contributing to the decline of the American church, in fact, the church around the world. However, though, we see in other countries, I know, Dad, you talk about it in China or even in the Middle East, these, these secret home churches that seem to be in the rise, but in, in, in the American church, because we don't have to be secret, it's almost like maybe we should be secret because, man, it doesn't seem like anybody really cares because there's not really an attack on us. Oh, but there is. We're just not seeing it. In fact, perhaps we see it but we're not saying anything about it because we don't think anything's going to happen. But we we are fooling ourselves if that's the case. And so we can contribute a lot of things to the decline in the American church. Perhaps it's because we have been so indoctrinated by the secular culture. Sure. Perhaps it's because we've taken God out of our politics and we've taken God out of our schools. Sure. Maybe we can look at churches and you could say, for those who have been in church most of their life, churches are just full of hypocrites. And that's why there's a decline in the American church, because nobody's real anymore. But what I want to tell to you today and suggest is that we, somebody say me, as a participant of this church, need to take a long, hard look in the mirror, because perhaps churches are weak in America because we have lost the biblical understanding of what it means and what it means to say, I am part of a church or I belong to a local church. Now, certainly that phrase right there is forgotten. Like people don't say that anymore because the truth is they're not. But I think those who actually say it may not even get it. Again, I may be talking to a minority in here because I think a majority of you do a really good job. You get this and this makes sense. But we cannot say this with all sincerity that I am part of this church, that I belong to this church if we don't know what scripture says about it. So let me give you the problem, okay? I'm gonna give you a problem and I'll give you some solutions and answers. Here's the problem, and, uh, and, and listen and don't tune me out, okay? We have joined churches, maybe even this church, expecting others to serve us, to feed us, and to care for all of our needs. I mean, that's what I think, right? I'm part of a church. So we can meet my needs, all of my needs, even the needs that aren't really needs that are wants. But thankfully we got some wisdom in this church, we can differentiate a need and a want. But I'm here for this church cause I gotta be fed and I need to be served and I need to be cared for because I got a family with a lot of issues and I don't have a lot of money and I got a lot of problems. And so I come to the church seeking for all of the answers. And can I tell you that you will find the answer Maybe not all your answers to your questions, because some of those questions are irrelevant. But you will find the answer, and the answer has a name. And what's his name? Jesus. Oh, I know. I'm I'm in church. I'm in the right place. Okay. So so the problem is that we've joined these places and we become sponges only to take. And what happens when we are no longer taking? What happens when we no longer get what it is that we want? What happens when all of a sudden my receiving um, ceases? It reminds me of the gym that I joined. I go to Planet Fitness. Now, please do not judge me because Planet Fitness is judgment-free zone. Now, I, I go to the gym five days a week. Let me rephrase that. I think that I go to the gym five days a week. I, would li- I dream about going to the gym five days a week, okay? Anybody got a gym membership? Let, let me ask this question. Anybody at one point in time in your life, because I don't want to call anybody out, has anybody had a gym membership before, okay? Now, I won't ask how many of you actually utilize the membership and the perks that that gym has to offer, but, you know, we have memberships. And so uh, where I attend, though, you got to understand Planet Fitness is, is the place to be. And Eddie knows this because, Eddie, you and I go to Planet Fitness. On uh, the first Monday of the month, they offer bagels and cream cheese. The last Friday of the month, they offer Papa John's pizza. And they have these buckets of Tootsie Rolls all throughout the gym. Now, that was, though, prior to COVID. Because once COVID happened and kind of shut things down and then the gyms reopened, they went away with the bagels. So they went away with the pizza and they went away with the Tootsie Rolls. Now, for me to say, this is why I go here so I can receive these things like bagels, Tootsie Rolls, and pizza, but now they are taking those things away, what do I think? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull my membership here and I'm gonna start going elsewhere because I'm a rate. Because I don't like this. Because I was getting what I wanted, and how dare they take my tootsie rolls, which worked as my pre-workout, by the way. How dare they take those things, and now they're no longer serving them. So I am going to take my membership, and I am going to go elsewhere. And then I realized, like, where am I? Where else am I going to get a gym membership for a dollar down, ten dollars a month, and free pizza and bagels, and really no commitment? <laughs> Planet Fitness is the best place to have a gym membership and not go to the gym because it's only ten dollars a month. But many unlike me, will cancel their membership and they will go elsewhere because what they received at one point, they're no longer receiving because to them it was just a place that they could take. And odds are, if that's your case, you said at one point, I'm just gonna work out at my house. And how long did that last you? I'm gonna do gym online. I don't know if that's gonna work out. Maybe that works out for you. And this is what happens every single week. Again, I'm setting the stage. We're gonna get into some, some, some scripture. We're gonna have a lot of scripture for you. But I'm setting the stage because this is what happens in so many of our churches every single week, every month, every year. We, 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 we find a place that we like, but then they start changing the style of the worship. And I don't really like it anymore because it doesn't suit what I desired. And so I leave. You know, the pastor is preaching way too long. He used to preach short, but I got football to watch. The pastor doesn't even visit my house anymore. He used to. They say, when you fill out that connect card, my dad will call you and he will show up at your house. And maybe you think, well, he will one time, but two years from now, he doesn't show up at my house anymore. The pastor isn't relational like he used to be. And I'm out of here. I don't think they're spending their money like they used to. I'm out of here. Everybody is too old at this church or everybody is too young. And so we have got to leave. Now, what does that say about you? Not what, what does that say about the church? Again, I know churches are in a decline and many churches are, seem to be doing some funky things, but I'm talking about you. Again, this is, this is, come on, tell yourself, this is for me. This is for me. And tell the person next to you, this is also for you as well. Maybe a little bit more for you because I'm good, but this is a little bit more for you. This, this, is, this is the attitude that we have because this is what it says about us and I'm not talking about commitment, but I'm talking about how you view the church and this is your attitude, church is all about me, it's all about me. It's all about what I can get, it's all about what what I can receive, but God did not create his church to be a country club where you could have membership, where you could receive perks and privileges and that it could suit your preferences. Nor was it for you to be served, fed, or cared for. Let me quote to you a quote of a man by the name of Tom Rainer. This is what he said, okay? And, and lean in with, with me. It says this He placed us in churches, God, ready? To serve, to care for others, to pray for leaders, to teach, to give, and in some cases to die for the sake of the gospel. Can I say that again? God has placed us in churches to care for others, to pray for leaders, to teach, to give, and in some cases, to die for the sake of the gospel. It's time to start abandoning this idea that we are entitled to something, that we deserve something, and it's time to step into who God has called us to be as we are part of this body, as we are a member of his church, the local church. So I wanna talk to you today as part of this body, as a member of it, and here's the title this morning's message, I am to lay down my preferences. Anybody got any preferences? Come on, let's be honest. Just in life in general, okay, I'm not talking about just this church, but you got preferences, right? You got preferences about who you wanna marry, what kind of dog you want, what kind of kids you want. But unfortunately, you know, God is ordaining that. So that may not work out how you want it to be. But we have preferences, certainly. But I want to give you three things today as it pertains to the church. And the first one is this. And my hope is to really make this practical. In fact, the next kind of set of messages with my dad and I to make this practical because I don't want you to walk out of these doors thinking, man, I'm a little confused at what he's, he's saying. And I'm not really sure um, what they shared. So I want to make this as practical as I can for you. Is that okay? So Three things. And then we'll pray. Number one, I am part not because I like it, but because I'm called to it. I am part not because I like it, but because I'm called to it. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 if you have your Bible. Ephesians chapter 2. And by the way, I'm going to try and do a better job at allowing you to flip there before I just read it. Because I think it's important that you get to see it in your Bible so you can underline it and you can highlight it. I know we don't have pens under your chairs, but I think we should... Get pens under the chair soon. See if you guys can underline. Because I remember my pastors would always say, underline this. And I'm like, what, with blood? What do you want me to do? Like prick my finger and i got no pen. Because uh, when I did have a pen, I was drawing on my arm and, that, and my mom would yell at me and say, stop doing that. So we're gonna get you some pens so you can draw and not draw, but you can write in the Bible. Ephesians chapter two, you know, Paul is speaking to the Gentile um, believers in the Ephesian church and he's reminding them that Um, you know, yes, they were once without Christ. They were once without citizenship and ultimately without God because the Jews were the chosen people. And the Gentiles, they had no hope. The Gentiles were just everybody who wasn't a Jew. And so, so, you know, it started with the Jews and it moved to the Gentiles. and, and, And Paul is here saying, listen, in verse 13 in chapter two, he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, have been brought near by what? By the blood of Christ. Essentially saying to the Jew and to the Gentile that they were now together. He tore down that wall. There was a fresh start for everybody. Through the death of Christ, this would bring us together. And through him, we would both share in the same spirit. And listen to this, because Paul says this later on. He says, we all have now equal access to the Father. How many are thankful that you have equal access to the Father? Come on. I got equal access to the Father. But I don't got to be privileged. I don't have to know this more than somebody else. I don't have to enter into some holy of holies. You know, I have equal access. So just for the Jew, as for the Gentile, we have equal access to the Father now. Because of his death. And he goes on to say this in Verse 19. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. You're no longer strangers, but you are, and here's what you would underline, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. How many know that God, his son, Jesus is the chief cornerstone of his church. It's the only foundation that the church is built on. No other foundation, no other foundation that a pastor may lay is what the the church is standing on. We can certainly build to it and add to it, but we are not building the foundation. Christ is the foundation. And in verse 22, verse 21, it says, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become, here it is, A dwelling. Somebody say dwelling. A dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, if you go back to the Old Testament, it says that God first walked with his people. Then you kind of move on, and it says God dwelled in his tabernacle. And then, then God dwelt in his temple. And now you get to the New Testament, and what does it say? That God dwells in his church. What do I mean by the church? Yes, I'm talking about the physical building of the church, but I'm also talking about we, the church. Everybody, and listen, here's, here's the crazy thing. I was reading, I'm taking a class right now on the doctrine of the church. And I was like, that was a real thing, the doctrine of the church. There is a visible church and there is an invisible church. And the visible church is all those who are here on this earth. All across the regions and nations but the invisible church are those who are here and those who have gone on and their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life that's the invisible church right that's the the ideal church is saints who are perfect but the reality the, 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 the real church are people who are imperfect and so so when, when I say the church that's that's really who I'm talking about the universal church but yes of course also the local church so now God dwells in his church and because you have received salvation, you have received forgiveness, but you have also received adoption. You have also received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And you have also received membership at his church. Come on, somebody say it. I am a member of his church. I mean, that's, that's truth. You can't deny that. But I know you don't like that concept of membership. But you like that anywhere else except church. Because we all have memberships at all these other places, but we don't like to say I'm a member of this church. I like to say, man, I'm I'm part of the church, I'm part of the body of Christ. I don't need a building, I don't need doors, I don't need a worship team. But scripture says don't neglect this. So, so you do need it. Yeah, you are part of the church, but you, you also need the local church, or else we wouldn't have all these letters written to the local church. And so this idea of membership is interesting because you know we got we got memberships at Costco. We got memberships at at country clubs. You got memberships with AAA. Some of you still to this day have no idea how to change a tire because you have been so dependent on the perks and privileges that you get from your membership that you just make one phone call. And I get it because it's it's South Florida. It's hot. I don't want to get out there and sweat. I see people all the time on the side of the road. Like they got their whole house somehow in the back of their car out on the side of the road i'm like what are you doing you living in that thing and they're like searching for some tire that they don't know where it's at they didn't know that there's a secret compartment in in your i don't know if you guys know this there is a secret compartment in your trunk that you can lift up and there is a wheel (laughs) crazy my wife asked me one day she's like she's like jacob i need you to or can you change my tire and being a good man and a good husband i said i'm gonna teach you how to change a tire because I don't want you to get stuck on the side of the road and be expecting some other man to show up. If I can't be there, you're going to do it. And so this is a true story. And please don't judge me <laughs> because I'm, I'm learning, right? I'm still trying to figure this out. And so, um, my, but the worst part is that my wife was pregnant at the time. And so she had to change the tire of her car. And so now I, I got it out of the car, but I made her, you know, jack it up and I made her, you know, take the wheel off and she had to put the wheel on. Meanwhile, I was sitting there and I was taking my phone out and I was just filming it. It was, I mean, it was a low moment for me as a husband and as a man, but I'll tell you what, my wife now knows how to change a tire and she don't need to call no AAA, um, Except that she's on like 95, please call AAA. Don't try and do that yourself. You know, we have memberships to these places because we know what we can get. We have gen memberships. In fact, a buddy of mine told me, he's like, I, I canceled my gen membership. I'm like, bro, you wanted to get in shape. What were you doing? And he was like, man, it just wasn't working out. Between me and the that was a joke. Between me and the gym. Because <laughs> as soon as it doesn't start to fit my appetite, as soon as I don't start to like it, I mean you know this, some of you have been going to the gym a long time, and every time you look in that mirror, you're like, I ain't seen any results. Because it's been like two weeks. You're not gonna see results in two weeks. And so then you quit and you leave. This this leads me to my second point right here, if you were taking notes. I am a part not to receive, but to serve. You know, when I joined my gym, I knew what I was getting into. I knew that it was going to be a, not an overcrowded and stimulated place with a bunch of macho men and women throwing weights down and screaming and grunting. You can't do that at Planet Fitness because if you yell and throw weights down, there is a siren that goes off. Don't believe me, go. In fact, my brother-in-law didn't believe me. He showed up and he threw down some weights and it went off and he's like... This is ridiculous. This is not a gym. I'm like, it's a gym for people like me, okay? I don't like to get sweaty. People wipe down the, the seats. I mean, people are laughing and talking. People are eating titsi Rolls in between their reps. I mean, this sounds like the ideal place. But I, but I had a preference, and that's why I go there. Maybe you go to Costco, and sure, you got to wait a little bit, but you get hot dogs for $1.50, and that is a perk at Costco. And that's why I go to Costco. And those churros. By the way, I got pizza one time because Costco pizza is really good. And I was bringing it home, but I had to get a churro because it was like staring at me and it was calling my name. And I swear the Lord was speaking to me saying, you know, that is for you in this season of life. And so I, I grabbed that churro. I ate half of it and I couldn't eat dinner that night because that thing is massive. So you know the perks, right? You know the perks to where you go. You know what you get, you know what you receive. Now think about the church. We have preferences, we do. And some of those are good, right? I have preferences. I want the kids' ministry to be, to be enjoyable. Or, or maybe you want it to be more fun, or maybe you want it to be more Bible-centered. <clears throat> I want it to be clean, that's for sure. I want the teaching to be more topical because that's what I, that's what I like, or I like to be more, more scriptural. Or I want the worship to be more like hymn style or, or contemporary style. Or I wanna be, I wanna be hidden and not seen or I want to be I want to be noticed and I want people to recognize who I am or this is a good one because this was an issue at my old church I want to seat myself I don't want no usher telling me where I can and can't sit and I have seen people leave the church because an usher said hey would you sit here and they said that's not where I'm gonna sit this is where I'm gonna so maybe your preference is that you don't want to be seated or told where you can sit maybe you want the church to be close to your house or maybe Come on, some of you like me, you want it to be as far away as possible because I don't want anybody knowing where I go and spend my money and what I shop and what's in my Publix cart when I'm checking out. I don't want anybody to see those things. So, so you have a preference and that's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with having preferences and wanting things a certain way. But, but here's what I want you to see. Because if this is how we look at the church through a lens of my preferences, then we will never be satisfied. We will never be satisfied. We will find ourselves always wanting something different. We will find ourselves always looking to the next place, saying, where can I go and what can I get? I mean, this is why some of you had to throw away your preferences when you started dating again, because the first 20 times wasn't working out for you, because you had this perfect list of everything that you wanted and she only had like a few of them, or he had most of them. But God, I'm not compromising on my list. And God would say, what list? What list? I created everybody in my image. God told Adam, this is getting a little, this is getting a little more of what I believe, but God told Adam, every tree you can have, you just gotta pick one. Don't pick that one. Just don't pick that one. And so, so, so we have our preferences, sure. I have my list, sure. But some, some of you, you need to burn that list because that's unrealistic and that's more like an angel and you're not, you're not going to find that. And so think about when it comes to the church. Can, can I tell you what, what's, what Paul said in Galatians? This is chapter five of verse 24. And if you want to flip there, you can Galatians chapter five. If you're already in Ephesians and my Bible is right there, this is what Paul says. And he's talking about sin here. So I want to, I want to kind of make a, something that that's, a bit relatable to this, but he says in verse 24, he says, those who belong in Christ Jesus, which is you and I, have crucified the flesh with its what? With its passions and its desires. When you have entered into a relationship with God, when you you got saved, as my dad mentioned, some of us, we can go back to that moment where we said, God, I want you to be my savior. Some Some of you, maybe that's been recently where I said, God, I I give you everything and I surrender all of my life. And you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, but not everything and not all things, right? There's there's some things I'm gonna keep over here in, in the back room. There's some things that I'm gonna continue to do because I just love it. Why? Because my flesh loves it. But what is Paul now saying in Galatians chapter five? He said, when I stepped into a relationship with Christ, I crucified my flesh and all of its passions and all of its desires. How many of you thankful that you're not walking in those passions and desires anymore in the flesh? Because I once was, and even when I got saved, it's like this tendency to go back and forth. Because Paul talks about this. It's this battle of the flesh and the battle of the spirit. I know what I don't want to do, but I find myself doing what I don't want to do, and I find myself not doing what I'm supposed to do. Because the flesh is enticing, The flesh is desirable. The flesh is appealing. Because I, I like what satisfies my flesh. But when you step into a relationship with God, you crucify those desires. You crucify those those cravings. And for those that haven't, you know that it's a dangerous path. You know it's lonely. You know it seems like there's only shame and condemnation down that path. And so we've got to do a better job at crucifying those things. Now, you know, I, I think about our preferences in church. Because perhaps we can uh, uh, apply some of this logic to what Paul is saying about sin to what we believe and what we think that we should be getting as we walk through these doors. Man, I'm coming in church. And I want what what I want. And I want to hear what I want to hear. And if I don't hear, then I'm out of here. And we know where that leads. Right, I said online gym. You know, I'm just gonna go to an online gym. I don't know how well that's gonna work out. And some of us, it's like, man, I'm just done with church. I'll do online church for a little bit. But are you really connected? Do you really have community? I love all those people that watch online and we're thankful for the, the reach that God has allowed Victory Life Church to have online. But there's something about being in person in a community. There's something about showing up weekly, not neglecting the meetings like this. But there's gotta be some sacrifice, right? Can I give you an example? And, you know, Joanne me and joanne we talk all the time and joanne by the way um you and steve and what you guys do for foster and adoption and, and that group that meets once a month uh, uh, joanne sent my dad and i some pictures you said you had like 30 adults and like 20 plus kids like come on god is doing something in the foster community here in plantation and south florida can we can we thank god for faithful servants but um and Joanne, I'm only calling you out because I know you love me and I, and, and I love you. But um, Joanne may, ha- may have a preference in, in worship style, like I do. And Joanne says, You know what? Man, I, I love hymns. Does anybody else like hymns? Man, I grew up on hymns. I love hymns. But I'll never forget what you told me one day, Joanne. You said, You, said, you know, I, as much as I love hymns, it's okay because we're all worshiping God, whatever it is that we're saying or singing. And I can't tell you how much that meant to me. In fact, Man, I try and throw in hymns all the time up here because I, I love them and I know that honors some people, but I don't want to do it. The team doesn't want to do it just to honor some. But sometimes we do. But whether we're singing in a, in, a, in a hymn style or more of a contemporary style, we're worshiping the same God. As long as we're theologically sound in what we sing, we're worshiping the same God. And so, Joanne, I just wanted to say I appreciate you because you have been somebody who has said, you know what, I, I'll, I'll crucify that a little bit I know it's kind of what I want, but I, I, I get it. Now, if you came into this, in this church and said, Jacob, man I, man, I just want my kids to be safe in kids' ministry, and I don't feel like they are, I would say, sacrifice that safety concern of yours, you know, crucify that. No, no, we're going to step in and say, you know, we gotta, we got we to change a little bit if that's the case. And so there are things that we kind of crucify at the front doors when we walk in there are some preferences that we have to lay down. Now, I told you that Paul was was addressing the church in Galatia in chapter five. But if you go back to chapter two, he's talking to Peter, one of the disciples. And and Peter was kind of walking in fear a little bit. If you know anything about the disciples, man, they they weren't always on their A game. Just like you and I, they had some, some highs, but they also had some lows. And you know, Peter now without his savior is, is getting a little fearful of who he hangs out with now. And he starts to leave certain places that he's supposed to be at. And he starts to no longer eat with certain people that he's, he's allowed to be eating with. And Paul's like, Peter, I gotta call you out. He's like, y- y- you're, not, you're not listening. He wasn't crucifying those passions and those desires. And what began to happen, because here's the result, is he began to draw back. He began to tell himself that it was better for him to be absent than it was to be present. It was better to not be obedient to what God was calling him to do, and it was better for him just to be absent and just remaining and being silenced. And Paul says, Peter, man, you, you, you've, you've lost it. Because it's leading you to leave. Can I tell you somebody by the name of Chad? And this would just be an example for you. Here's nobody here, hopefully his name Chad. If you are, this isn't about you. Chad visits the church. Chad likes what he sees. Chad gets excited about the church and he gets more involved. That sounds like many of you. Maybe you're new here. Maybe you've been here for a few years. Maybe you can go back to churches that you've been at before. Man, I like this. This kind of feels good. This is a great experience. And so I'm going to get involved. I'm going to take their their membership class or their growth track or whatever I got to do to, to serve. But as soon as you start to get more involved, you start to see things, you start to see through the cracks. You start to hear how people are talking. You start to get a little bit more, you know, inundated with the preaching and what they believe and what people are saying and people's opinions. And ultimately, Chad discovers the imperfections of the church that he just joined. And those imperfections weighed on him a lot. And Chad discovered that on everything aligned with what he wanted, with what he thought he saw in the beginning. Chad is living by his preferences and not by God. Chad gets discouraged and Chad leaves the church. And this is what we see all the time. People coming in, not having a biblical understanding of why God has called them to be part of the local church. Chad only came to take, Chad only came to step into what he wanted because this is what he thought is what he wanted. And then he gets discouraged and then he leaves. Go with me to Mark chapter nine because I want to take you to another moment with the disciples. In Mark chapter nine, you know, the disciples are arguing, they are fighting, just like we do, by the way. And um, there's a particular moment where they are arguing about who is the greatest. In fact, little side fact, if you read the book of John, you know, John considers himself the beloved. He calls himself that. Nobody else calls himself that. He calls himself that. And he also says, I think four times, that he was faster than any other of the disciples. And he, he always says, John, by the way, was the fastest. John, who got there first. So it's interesting how, um, maybe they're a little conceited, but I think that's in there for, for a purpose and for a reason. And so, so, so here they are arguing. It's like my boys. You know, my, my five-year-old obviously is faster than my, my two-year-old. And he also eats faster. And he lets him know that. He's like, I'm done first. They'll run around the house. He's like, I'm fastest. And I'm like, is this, this is a contest. You're twice his size. You know, you're twice his age probably at this point. But I said, but you better wait. Because if you think you're going to be big and strong, Just look at me, I'm not that tall. You might be my height and the little one might be bigger than you. So don't, just be careful. And so they're arguing. And this is what the disciples are doing and Jesus notices it. Not to think that he wouldn't notice it. And so it says this in verse 33. It says, they came to Capernaum. This is Mark chapter nine. They came to Capernaum when he was in the house and he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? I love how Jesus just presents the question, like he doesn't really know what was going on, but it, clearly he knows what's going on. And you find out because they don't answer. He said, well, what were you arguing about on the road? I heard you bickering back there. I was, you know, walking and I heard you talking and screaming and yelling and people, were, what was going on back there? And it says in verse 34 that they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. And this is like you and I now, now that LeBron James, you know, has got all the points. Is it really an argument of who's the greatest basketball player? And so we can argue all day long. And this is what's happening. The disciples are arguing who is the greatest disciple. Who's the best? Who's done the most things? If you, if you ever watch The Chosen, it's like, oh, I completely understand. This makes so much sense to me. They say, who is the greatest? I mean, and the silence was deafening when Jesus asked, what were you arguing about? And sitting down, he called the 12 and he said this, and then, you got your pen or your highlighter, underline this. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last. Anybody who wants to be first must be the what? Notice I didn't say just last. He says the very last. And then he goes on to say, and the servant of all. Now, could you imagine listening to this conversation? If you're here and you were, you were a fly on the wall, like what would you think? Jesus got him again. Them disciples deserve that, asking this type of barbaric question, who's the greatest? And then you quickly realize, you're like, that, that text is also for me, especially as it pertains to me being a part and a member of his church. That text really applies to me because, man, I know what I want at church, but I know what God has called me to be at church. I know what he's called me to live. I know how he wants me to live, and that is to be a servant. You know the word servant is mentioned 57 times in the New Testament? Odds are that word is extremely important. Jesus said, if you want to be first, you have to be last. I'm trying to teach this principle to my five-year-old, and he's having a really hard time understanding it, but I really am. I'm sitting down with him saying, listen, you don't have to be first. In fact, if you want to be first, got to be last. He's like, I'm not last. I'm first. I'm, no, if you, if you wanna be first, you gotta be last. He said, I can't be first because I'm faster. And I'm like, no, you, you don't. I'm gonna, let my grand, I'm gonna let his grandpa teach him how, on, on that principle right there because I'm struggling right now. But it's a concept that just is so foreign to us. If I want to be first, I have got to be last. Now, does that sound like many church members we know? But, but, he, but here's the thing, and this is what the disciples didn't know, and I don't blame them, because they, they weren't thinking heavenly like Jesus was thinking, because Jesus knew, Jesus knew, listen to this, Jesus was on something, because Jesus connected joy with serving, and the disciples couldn't figure that out. In fact, well, why would we serve the children? We got more important manners. Oh, no, listen, we will serve the children. In fact, if people don't come to me like children, then they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so so Jesus is connecting joy with servanthood. That's what they didn't understand. And if you want to find true joy, then you have to give up your rights, you have to give up your preferences, and you simply have to start serving at people's feet. That's what Jesus is saying. You wanna be first, you gotta be last. You gotta be servant of all. Man, it may not be pretty, but I'll tell you what, it'll be blessed. It may not be easy serving at people's feet, but I'll tell you what, it will be blessed. And it may be lonely, but Jesus said, greater it is to give and more blessed are you who give than just those who receive. Can I, can I share a passage in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and just write this down because we're, we're gonna dive more into this scripture and more in the coming weeks. But each of you should use whatever gift, come on, how many of you have some gifts? Don't be shy, God has given you some things. He has equipped you with some things, okay? We all have giftings in here. God has given you these gifts and whatever gift you have that you received, you do it to serve others. This is 1 Peter 4.10. You do it to what? Serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace and its various this leads to my last point, number three. I am to think outwardly and not inwardly. Let me kind of bring, bring us back to number one. I am a part, not because I like it, but because I'm called to it. I am also a part not to receive, but to serve. And so now I am here to live in such a way that says I am more focused on the outward than just the inward, I'm gonna live outwardly. In fact, I heard one person say, because being part of the body of Christ is about servanthood. Most people wish to serve God, but in an advisory capacity only. I wanna serve you, Lord. But allow me to be a delegator. Can you, can you equip me with a gift of delegating? Man, I just love to tell people what to do. You could do that, you just gotta be a pastor. And then you could, Just <laughs> the truth. But that's, that's kind of like what most of us view servanthood Man, God, I'm all in, but man, I'm here to tell some people what to do. I'll be an advisory to, to your board, your servant board up there, God. But, but you, you really want me to get messy and dirty and be at people's feet and kind of lay down my preferences and my desires and what I want and what I really, what I think I need. That, that's a little bit of a, of a stretch, Jesus. But you know what makes this really easy? Thinking outwardly, not inwardly. Go to Philippians chapter two because we have the greatest example of someone who embodied this fully. Philippians chapter two. Again, this is what I want you to understand because as as we get healthier, the church gets healthier. And as the church gets healthier, the community around it gets healthier. And so this is so important for us that God has called me to be a servant. Man, I know I have wants and I know I have needs and I know I got preferences. And some of them are good and some of them, you know, you, some of them are necessary, right? Like I want there to be AC in the church, you know? But if you're at another country, maybe that's not the case. But I'm talking about the things that do they, do they really matter to you being a part of a church or not? Do, do they really matter? Do, do they, are they really important? Are they on the list of like, Top 10 doctrinal preferences, which by the way, that doesn't really make sense because that's not a preference. That's, that's biblical and that's what we should be following. But there are some things that are, that are up there that we can lay down, not doctrinally, but just preference. We had the greatest example in, in Paul who's concerned about the believers in Rome. He's also concerned about the believers in Philippi. And what's happening right now in Philippi is, or in, in, in this moment is the, the church is, like, not unified. They're, they're arguing, and here's the, here's the source of the arguing and the, and the lack of unity, because they weren't willing to give up their preferences. They weren't willing to lay down their interests for the interest of others. That's what the scripture says. And that, how can you grow anything if you're only consumed and concerned about, your interest how can you help somebody else but when I think about being a servant well that means I'm going to put aside my things and I'm going to step into the things that these people need you know and I think for the most part pastors are a great representation of that many of you have pastors in your life that you can pick them up you can pick up your phone and call them at any point and they're like man I'm here for you I'll pray for you let's go maybe you have friends like that some of your parents are like that Man, I've got great parents. I can pick up the phone and say, Dad, man, I, I need something. Can you help me? And so, so, so this, is, this is this mindset of saying, my preferences will, will, will for right now be on the back burner, and I'm gonna step into your things because Christ has called me to be a servant. So let me just read this, and I'm, I might be dragging this on a little bit, but this is so important. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. He says, your attitude in regards to your your relationship with with one another, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Your mindset should be the same as Christ Jesus. He goes on to say this in verse six. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself who? Who? Jesus, but he made himself nothing. Jesus, who is God, he wasn't like a lower version of God. Jesus is preeminent. He is the greatest. It says that he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a what? Of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to death. Remember that quote by Tom Rainer that said, God has called us to be part of his church, to serve, to teach, to give, but to even maybe, maybe one day die for the sake of the gospel. I couldn't do that, Jesus did it. Yes, you can. God would never call me to do that. He's called plenty of Christians to do that. But this right here is, 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 is incredible. Because it's, it's the ultimate example of humility. Many would say this is the hymn of the early church. Paul is poetically describing the mind of Christ. Now, not all the mind of Christ. He's only, he's only bringing about certain qualities as it pertains to those that he's speaking to. But this is the mind of Christ. He's saying you have to put on the same mindset. Now, now, for us to even, even think about that, we have to even ask ourselves, do I have the same mind as Christ? Clearly, I don't. Clearly, the disciples didn't. Do I have the same mind as Christ? That's, that's a great question. Let me, let me answer that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, where, where he's quoting Isaiah. He says, who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him but we, somebody say me, But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Come on, you don't have to do anything great to receive it. You already got it. Anybody thankful that they have the mind of Christ? Come on, it's it's already here. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to show up to anywhere. Man, if I have received Christ, I now have the same mind as Christ. But this is where Paul is talking about, because he's not letting them know, like, hey, um, put on the same mind as Christ. No, he says, put on the same mindset as Christ. So so there's a difference here, because certainly I have the mind of Christ, but now Paul is saying, now you got to daily walk in it. And you have to choose to walk in it. And it's not going to come easy. It, it can be easier, but it's going to be sacrificial. And you got to learn to be submissive. And so you got you to you had to put on that mindset. I already have the mind of Christ and I'm very thankful. But I have to put on the same mindset as Christ. Let me close with this and say, you know, eight years ago when, when uh, I got married, you know, when you, when you got married, you had to lay down some things. I could no longer do what my single self wanted to do. I could no longer hang out with the people that I was hanging out with before. I can no longer do the same thing, see the same people. I I can no longer go to the same places. I had to sacrifice some things, right? And if you're like, no, 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 then you might not be together very long. And so you've got got to learn to sacrifice some things when you get married. And now that I have three kids, my goodness, the things that I am sacrificing for them, the things I used to do, the things I used to participate in, all my hobbies, things that I love to buy. I I always say this, you know, when I got married, I had so many hats and shoes. And by the way, I was living on, not my my own, but I was out of my parents' house for a couple years. And so I was like, man, I'm making some money. And I just bought hats and I bought shoes. And then when I got married, I couldn't buy any shoes. In fact, I still have a lot of those today. In fact, I'm one of those guys, this might be embarrassing to say, I have more shoes than my wife has shoes. But I I don't really buy a lot of shoes anymore. I can't. Because now I got to buy these kids' shoes. And kids' shoes are expensive, but thank God for grandparents. When you say, when, you, when you, just, you wear the worst pair of shoes that they have to the grandparents' house, and so they're like, your son needs a pair of new shoes. Yeah, mom and dad, or it's, it's, a, little, it's a little hard right now, but you know, they'll, uh. <laughs> and then the next day they come, and, and my wife's parents are great at this, man, they show up with a new pair of shoes. Really, wow, we're so so blessed, thank you. <laughs> but we had to sacrifice a lot. And, you know, I had to, I had to crucify the flesh with its passions and its desires. And I got to do that daily. And it's not easy to, to walk in submissiveness to Christ, to walk in a sacrificial life to Christ, and now to learn to do it with another person and now to do it with some other kids. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't change it for the world. There's a, there's an old country song, and I'm not gonna quote it or sing it, but it's all about, I wonder if I was single again, and what I'd do. And the country artist he goes on to say, you know, I'd, I'd golf more. I'd probably add a few strokes in my golf game. I'd probably play billiards a little bit better than I am now. It's it's a country song, so he says, I'd probably drink a little bit more than I should too. That's, that's there. But he says... None of that's worth it with being married to the one that I'm married to. Because at the same moment, I know I've talked a lot about how we have to lay things down. At the same moment, there are great things to receive. Come on, there are great things to step into. But I can't get here until I understand what a life full of sacrifice is. Until a life full of servant. Just like I told my son, if you want to be first, you have to be last He's five. He doesn't really get that right now. And that's okay. He needs too soon. But until he can get that, he will never be first. And so if I want to be at a place where I am receiving and God is doing something in me and through me like we all want, we, we should desire that. Then I have to know what it means first to be a servant. I have to know what it means first to be last. I have to know what it means first to lay down the things that I want, the passions, the desires, the preferences. I've got to lay those things down first. And then, man, what I'm gonna experience later on, and some of you know this who have been in the faith for a while, man, the blessings, come on, somebody, the the benefits from being a follower of Jesus Christ. Come on, the the assurance of our salvation. Come on, we could just thank God for that. Can I read what it says in 1 in Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9? No eye has seen. Come on, would you stand to your feet? Come on and receive this. Receive this over your life right now. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Come on. No, we, we, can't even, we don't even know what it's going to be like. But God has a purpose and a plan for you. And He wants to do good things in you so He can do great and mighty things through you. And so together, we as the church can start building a kingdom. A kingdom that will last. A kingdom that will not fail. A kingdom that no one or nothing or no enemy can ever defeat or separate or destroy. Because we're not standing on anything that is man-built. We are standing on something that is God-built. We aren't standing on any wisdom of man because that will fail. But we are standing on wisdom of God that will not fail. And so my challenge for you today... Is man, I know we got our, our preferences and I know we got our wants and our desires, but maybe God is saying, as you walk through these doors, you lay those down and, and, and pick, up, pick up a chair. I love it. People are like, I'm all in, Jacob. Do, I'll do whatever you need me to do. Can you help us move some chairs? I, I can't move any chairs. I can't do that. No, no, thank you. I'll hold the door, but you need me to stack chairs? No, thanks. Unless you're in the youth group and you're single, that's the best time to impress the ladies is by how many stairs or chairs you can stack and how many you can move. Come on, some of y'all have been there. You know what I'm talking about. But here's, here's what Christ is saying. If you wanna be first, you gotta be last and be a servant, be a servant. Lay down the things that you want. Lay down down the things that you desire and be a servant. We are the church and Christ has called us to serve. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you. We love you. And it's so good to be in this place. It is so good to read your word. God, I pray that for many in this room, that this was encouraging for them to say, you know what, man, I feel like I'm, I'm doing it right. And this was good for me to keep on doing it. To keep on going to keep on sacrificing to keep on living in a way that is submissive to you god everything that i have everything that i breathe god my breath alone is for you it's for you and nobody else and god as i breathe only for you you call me to do things for everybody else and that makes sense to me now because i know what it means to submit i know what it means to serve i know what it means to sacrifice everything And Lord, as challenging as it is, it is so rewarding. Come on, some of you, can you just just lift up your hands and thank him for all that he's done in your life. God, I thank you, Lord. I praise you. Come on, God, my life is for you. My breath in my lungs is for you, God. You have given me life. You have given me breath to breathe it right back for you and for your name's sake only. So Father, thank you. Thank you in this place. We worship you. why we are here to serve you to praise you to give you everything God you are great you are mighty come on church tell him he is great tell him he is great